fighting for freedom every day. You as the individual, you have the power. You don't have to join a union. You go in as an entry-level position. You get the experience that you need. And then as you work up, you get better at your job, which means they pay you more. If they don't pay you more, then you go to another company to show what you've learned and what your value is to where you can get more. If they really don't like that, then you can go and start your own damn business because we have a free market, laissez-faire, capitalist society, allegedly, to where you can actually go off and do your own thing. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Holy cow, you finally made it. Everybody take a deep breath for just a second. Take a deep breath in. Recognize that tomorrow is finally the day. You finally made it. All the... TV ads and radio ads, all of the yard signs, all of the knocking on the doors, all of the debates, all of the bickering, all of the mudslinging, it's all coming to an end tomorrow, at least or so we think. (laughs) Election day is finally upon us tomorrow. Welcome into the show, and boy, do we have a lot to talk about today to get you set for the last two days of elections. Welcome in. This is The Voice of Reason. I am Andy Hoosier, broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas, on our flagship radio station. We are all over the country on radio, TV, live streaming, and podcasting. However you watch, listen, hang out with us here on the program. We love you to death. You're Millennial General reporting for duty like we do every single day. All right, coming up, bottom of the hour, Jake Morabito. He is with the American Legislative Exchange Council. You may know them as ALEC. Very controversial organization. You know, those state legislators that get together once or twice a year and talk about ways of what they're doing in their states and how other states can do the same thing and how they can come up with grand ideas to promote conservative values nationwide. That a horrible organization, Alec. We'll have uh, Jake on the program. He is the Director of Communications and Technology Task Force. We'll talk about legislation on social media. We'll talk about Twitter and Elon Musk a little bit. We'll talk about the new Digital Markets Act that's coming out of the European Union and the UK. What is it? What does it do to social media? And will we have the freedom of social media moving on forward down the road? We'll do that at the bottom of the hour. Obviously, we have a lot of election stuff to get to. Uh, The big question I think today, however, is whether the elections will be fair and accurate and transparent and secure. Would that not be a reasonable question to ask during an election time? Now, remember, this is coming from the side that is conservative, that is Republican, that is the quote-unquote MAGA, that is the quote-unquote ultra-MAGA, whatever the hell that means. And according to Joe Biden, we are the most dangerous, violent, hate-filled, lie-spreading, misinformation-consuming political organization in the history of the United States. much so that they need to stop spreading of that misinformation, which is why they're going to censor social media here and talk about what's allowed and not allowed on social media and on news outlets as well. But during the time of elections and with over 70 legal cases already being filed across the nation by the RNC with concerns of potential voter fraud or certain voter securities that aren't in place, according to Newsmax in the White House and Karine Jean-Pierre going into the final days of election time, they say that there are no specific credible threats to our election security as everything should be running relatively smoothly. I say that in the sense that we also have gotten word from the White House and from the uh, what uh, from the State Department concerned about integrity of the elections and misinformation being spread and interference with the U.S. elections because of none other than Russia all over again. 
We have sanctioned this individual, Yevgeny Prigozhin, uh, since 2018 for his interference in our uh, election processes and institutions. Uh, in March of 2018, the Department of the Treasury designated the Internet Research Agency and Prigozhin himself. This designation targeted malicious cyber actors, including those involved in interfering with the election process and institutions. That audio from CBS News. So let me get this straight. The elections are secure. The elections are fine. There is no credible threat to the elections. However, the Democrats have already positioned themselves knowing they're going to lose tomorrow. And here's how I know that they're going to lose tomorrow. It is going to be such a big red wave tomorrow that I don't know if you're aware or not, but tomorrow is a blood moon total eclipse. The next one that's going to happen is going to be in 2025. It is going to be such a big election tomorrow that the moon is even turning red. That's how big the red wave is going to be tomorrow. (laughs) So Democrats are aware of this. They know it. They see their internal polling. The media can lie through their teeth as much as they want to about what they, how close the races are going to be. And we'll break some of these races down here in just a little bit. But here's how I know that we're going to win is Democrats are already positioning themselves to claim victim in this race. They say that they think the election is safe and secure and will be just fine for election day. But at the same time, they're saying that the reason people are voting Republican is because of misinformation, allowing themselves the opportunity and the doors wide open later on to say that, hey, we're going to control the content even more so through the mainstream media and social media and the entire interweb so that way you can only get certain bits of information because of interference with Russia. Now, I seem to remember that during the Trump administration or during the election of Donald Trump for the first time, that's when they said that the the Russian collusion was happening, that they're interfering with our elections. That's why people are voting for Trump, that Trump's colluding with Russia. Remember that whole conversation? In fact, it got Donald Trump impeached twice because of those uh, committee hearings and investigations, quote unquote. It didn't happen. In fact, we know it didn't happen now, but it impeached Donald Trump twice because of this issue. Trump's not in office. He's not colluding with Russia any longer, but the Democrats say there's still collusion going on with Russia, which is why people are spreading misinformation, they're consuming misinformation, and they're voting the wrong way. Because if we didn't have that misinformation from Russia, we'd all be a bunch of blue dog Democrat socialists who'd be loving Bernie Sanders running for president right now. We'd be voting for John Fetterman. We'd be voting for the Democrat down in Georgia. We'd be voting against Kerry Lake. We'd be voting against all these guys. Because we just be blue dog Democrats, the only reason Republicans are doing well is because the Russians are interfering with the election. So they've already positioned themselves to play the victim, and if it's not really our fault and it's not our bad policies that are making people vote the other way, it's misinformation. The second part is that Democrats have already said that because we are the hate mongers, we are the election deniers, which is what Joe Biden's going out in the in the uh, to, to, in the rallies that he does in like Washington, D.C. and California, saying that we're election deniers, is that because of that misinformation and because of the election denying and because we are the most radical, violent, hate-filled organization that the history of this country has ever seen, that all of the reaction that's going to happen there after the election will be justified, meaning the anarchy in the streets, meaning the angering hate mongers that are out there with burning down streets, the Antifa members, the Black Lives Matter members, all of these organizations that will be 
beating people up in broad daylight again and burning down streets left and right. It will be justified because it will be their reaction to an election that didn't go their way by a bunch of people spreading misinformation that are filled with hate because they have to strike first before the hate mongers actually strike. I, I don't don't know if that makes any sense, but that's... No, okay. The election's already won. Pat yourself on the back. We're going to win this. We're going to win in the House of Representatives with near 30 new members. We're also going to win, I'm guessing, anywhere between three. I'm guessing three. My vote is three. Put it down on the mark. That is the voice of reason prediction tomorrow. That is what we are winning three Senate seats. We're going to be up 53 to 47 in the Senate. That is my guesstimation, and I'm sticking to it. In fact, most of the experts are going along with that as well, looking at Fox News and our latest in What's Trending. What's trending today? So, again, now this is Fox News, so take it with a grain of salt because it is a media source leaning to one side or the other. But they broke down some of the predictions from some of the quote-unquote political experts with political experts weigh in on the midterm election predictions and conclude that the GOP will take the House and the Senate maybe a toss-up. According to the race, looking at Josh Krishar, have no clue who that is. Apparently, he is a Fox News contributor and senior correspondent for Axios. He says that Democrats have a fighting chance to win some of the Senate races, but lose the House majority. According to him, Democrats have a fighting chance to win some close Senate races, but Republicans hold the favorable odds to win one seat necessary to retake the majority. Possibly, it would be the big Republican wave if they win at two seats. So... I'll mark that down as a potential victory for the Republicans winning at least one to two seats in the Senate, winning at least 30 seats in the House, dominating the election as well. We're not even talking about governor's races, which we'll get to here in just a second. Number two, according to according to Chuck Rocha, Roca, have no clue who that is again, a Democrat strategist and former senior presidential campaign advisor for Bernie Sanders. Here's what he has to say, according to Fox News. Quote, by Wednesday of next, I think we will be one seat in the House or in the U.S. Senate, everything stays the same and heads off to a runoff in Georgia and Louisiana and the U.S. House. I think it's a much different story. House party committees and their super PACs, along with their campaigns, have not run a good midterm strategy. Of the 30 most vulnerable marginal Democrat seats, half of them have large Latino populations, and none of these campaigns have a single Hispanic campaign manager, media consultant, or messaging firm, and I fear that we lose these seats. I want to reread that for you, at least part of that, for a second. The party that represents the minorities and predominantly dominate the minority votes for Hispanics and blacks and Native Americans and Asians and every other part, they say because there is no Latino uh, campaign manager or media consultant or messaging from not even the candidates themselves, which they don't have a whole lot either, but because they don't have anybody targeting the Hispanic population, they're going to lose the Hispanic. This is coming from a Bernie Sanders campaign manager and a Democrat poll strategist here. And he's saying, quote, we lose Texas District 15 with a 74% Hispanic population, Arizona District 6 by 20%, Florida District 27 by 68%, Colorado District 8 by 30%, Texas 28 by 76%, Nevada District 3 by 18%, Nevada District 2 by 15%, Oregon District 5 by 10%, and so on with the population of the Hispanics on why they lose those races as the Democrat party that's supposed to be holding on to those minorities because, by golly, they take care of them. They say they're losing them specifically because they're Hispanic districts going to Republicans. 
Rasmussen, Scott Rasmussen with the Rasmussen polls. They came out as well. Republicans take 53 Senate seats. GOP takes 30 seats in the House of Representatives. At least one surprising upset in governor's races. That's according to that one. Emily uh, Emily Atkins. This is uh, served as VP and director of polling at the Cato Institute, relatively on the conservative end. There may be more of a red wave this year than we originally thought. Now, again, the last two are relatively right-leaning. The other ones are Democrat strategists. Anticipating a victory with a majority of Republicans in the Senate, a major majority in the House of Representatives, and some up-in-the-air governor's races across the board. To the point where they're lumping in now the major Hispanic vote to be predominantly Republican in this nation. Where did the base of the Democrat Party go? My friends, they have lost it. They are done. They are over. And their only response that they can have is that you're voting this way, not because of your values, not because of the way the economy is going, not because of high inflation, not because of the unsecure borders, not because of the supply chain issues, not because of Joe Biden being a complete buffoon, but specifically because you've had misinformation from Russia, and therefore they will be justified to violently act out in the streets and react because they are the children that when they do not get what they want in the candy store, they flail down onto the aisle store, they dislocate their shoulder that's being held by their parents, they yell, they scream, they throw a fit because they didn't get the way they want to because it is a generation and an ideologue of participation trophies where their parents gave them everything that they wanted. Get ready, ladies and gentlemen. That's my hoorah speech for the day. Get ready for a major red wave tomorrow on Election Day. And watch the reaction. But they're the victims, and they're going to be angry, and therefore get ready because they've already said they're going to act out violently. And we need to be prepared for that. Lots more coming up on The Voice of Reason for a Monday. Stay here. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Bring some reason into your day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Don Wright, welcome back into the program. 24 minutes past the hour. Radio, TV, live streaming, podcasting, however you watch, listen to the show. Welcome. We love you to death. Happy Monday. Hopefully you had a wonderful weekend. Didn't even do a weekend recap. And I got some fun stories from the weekend, too. We'll get to that here in just a little bit. But it's election time, baby. We ain't got no time for that. We'll do that next week when we get to take a breath. I told Mrs. Voice of Reason, I said, next Saturday and Sunday, after election time, After all this craziness, we're taking a break. We're just taking a couple days on the weekend. We're not going to work on home projects. We're not going to work on the home business projects. We're just going to take a breather and just enjoy because it's been a wild one for sure. Uh, Going into the last day or two, it would surprise me on why there's such a crazy big hit piece coming out on certain candidates from the Democrat side attacking Republicans. The last day of. Now, you would think maybe a month ago. If you're trying to win over Republicans' choices, why would you do it the day before the election? This takes the whole October surprise thing to another level. Obviously, it's a sign of desperation, but you would think if you want to try and win over people and win them away from a candidate, you would do it well before, like around the time the early voting starts. I don't know. Does that make any sense? There's a new piece out on Carrie Lake, the Republican gubernatorial candidate for the state of Arizona. I think she's going to win very handily there. I think she's going to drive Republicans to not vote just for her, but also for the Senate race and all the down-ballot tickets in Arizona as well. Arizona's going to go more conservative. Thank God. Oh, we need that. Oh, thank God. 
Arizona's been one of those states where we've had a lot of moderate candidates come out of there, and I love Arizona. I've always wanted to go to Arizona. I have never been to Arizona, but come on, man. You got to admit, people from Arizona, you got to admit, you had John McCain and Jeff Flake as the representatives or the senators coming out of Arizona representing at the federal level. Yeah. I mean, that's about as wishy-washy, moderate as you could possibly get, and just makes you go, just makes you get a little sick just thinking about those guys. John McCain, God rest his soul, and Jeff Flake, good riddance that he's out of there. Arizona, I think, is going further to the right. Carrie Lake is doing that. Now, the hit piece that came out on her is fascinating to me. Why they came out with this, like, the last two, three days before election time is fascinating to me. According to DNYUZ.com, one longtime former co-worker in the television news business recalled that Carrie Lake detested guns and practiced Buddhism. Oh, my. Oh, my. Another former local news anchor, Stephanie Angelo, Angelo did not work with Miss Lake, but later became close friends with her, described Miss Lake back then as, quote, a free spirit and, quote, liberal to the core. Her saying that abortion should be illegal, absolutely not, according to Angelo. The carry I knew would never have said that, and she wouldn't have believed it either. But in her run for governor in Arizona, Miss Lake, a former local Fox News anchor, has refashioned herself as the protege of Donald Trump and the diehard Christian conservative who wields her media expertise as a weapon and has turned her former industry into a foil. Now... If any of this is true, which I don't know that is true, other than just media not liking the fact that she won't give them any interviews and one-on-one exclusives, if this information is true, why would you come out with this information three days before an election? If this information was true and you want to call her out for being a hack, a fake Republican, a wishy-washy one just using it for the political gain to piggyback on the momentum from Trump in a big Republican state like Arizona on trying to attack her own outlets since she couldn't make it in entertaining or in media or whatever else you want to try and claim. Why would this not be information from like a month ago? That's like the Herschel Walker accusations. of He molested me and attacked me. Okay, you should have said that during the primary stuff when he first announced like a year ago as opposed to like a week before Election Day. Sorry, honey. First off, that doesn't make any sense. Number two, you're not going to win anybody over on the last day before elections. The minds have already been made up. This is not going to change any minds from the Republican side. And everything that she says is absolutely spot on on the conservative mindset. And you really can't make that stuff up. I guess you could. But stick with it so consistently, I, that would be a challenge. Are people going to buy that garbage? I smell desperation. You might want to cover up your desperation showing a little bit. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. When Reason Meets Radio, you're listening to The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Darn right. Welcome back into the program. Boy, oh boy, I tell you, we have to have a longer show. We just have to. I could go four or five hours on this. It is election time, which means it is our bread and butter, baby, is what we're all about. We'll get into some more of those projections. 
the late attacks. I don't understand why they're doing it. Days away. Hey, oh, by the way, I know that you've gone two weeks of early voting, but we're going to start doing slanders now and do the last desperate attempt to try and change your vote. It's not going to work. It's a crazy hit piece. It's kind of funny, honestly, to think about it. But we can break it down if we want to a little bit later on this program. But election season is what we live for, baby. While it's exhausting, while it's frustrating, while it's angering at times, while it's annoying at times, while most people that are just want to be able to go to work, make some money, put the food on the table, come home and spend time with the family, I totally get it. Here in Kansas, where I'm based out of, we have a near 53% voter expectation uh, going into this one. That's cool. Really wish it was up near in the 80% because that's just crazy. Why people don't turn out to vote blows my mind, but I think we're going to see some pretty decent voter turnout. Georgia's been seeing some record turnout. Oh, I talked with Mark Walters, host of Armed American Radio, earlier. I was on his show just before this one, and 2.8 million people was the final count before the early voting wrapped up. 2.8 million in the state of Georgia in some hotly contested races down there. So it is going to be interesting to see which side of the aisle is more energized to turn out in these elections. We'll cover some more of that here in just a minute, but let's shift gears here for just a second. What's trending today? Which I am really excited to have this guy on the program, and I love this organization. I am so glad that we're able to work with them and get these guys on here from the American Legislative Exchange Council. Others see him as Alec. I'm excited to have on. He is the director of the Communications and Technology Tech, uh, Task Force, Mr. Jake Morabito. Jake, how are you, my friend? Doing well. Thanks for having me on, Andy. Hey, you bet. I'm excited to have you on the program talking social media, which we'll get into election stuff here in a minute on how social media may impact one way or the other, which I don't know. I don't know if you saw it or not. The Biden administration said that there is still rushing collusion going on by spreading all this misinformation on social media. Therefore, if Republicans win tomorrow, it's probably because of misinformation from Russia spewing lies that the really low IQ dumb Republicans just didn't grasp and didn't understand. It's, is that about right? Do we need some more regulation on social media because of that concern? <laughs> no, absolutely not. <laughs> It's a little insane. Let's talk about some of the stuff going on with social media right now. Obviously, the big change over the last couple of weeks has been the purchasing of Twitter from Elon Musk. Since then, he's started to make a few changes, but many celebrities have left. He said that many businesses and sponsors have left, and they're concerned about actually having a freedom of speech dialogue Talk about just the social media industry right now on where we're at with the censorship, with the lack of free speech, with the algorithms. Do we actually have free speech on social media right now? That's a great point. And certainly it's still early days in the new acquisition of Twitter by Elon Musk. Um, But certainly supporters of free speech online seem to like what they, they see with the new direction. But And I know one of the reasons why you had me on the show today was to talk more about what the European Union has been doing with tech regulation and why that's so concerning. So one thing that Elon Musk, uh, shortly after he uh, took over, he posted on Twitter, the bird is free. Um, You know, there's the visual of him with the sink walking in. But shortly after that, a European commissioner tweeted back quickly, well, in Europe, the bird will fly by our rules. And so that's it's emblematic of a larger issue here at play where the European Union is increasingly trying to impose its strict, heavy-handed regulations on American tech companies, specifically targeting them with new regulations like this Digital Markets Act that just went into effect um, earlier this month. And it hasn't gotten a lot of attention here in the U.S., but it could, uh, without us being cognizant of this, could threaten innovation here at home. 
Yeah, it is a concern, and you're right. I mean, the Digital Markets Act that's coming out of there, how how are they able to impose those regulations on an American company? The way I understand it is if it's a home-based uh, headquarters here in the United States, we follow United States rules. If it is an international company, obviously there's rules and regulations to some degree, but how is the European Union able to put in a Digital Markets Act that imposes its rules and regulations on social media companies that are based here in the U.S.? I don't understand how that works. Sure. So essentially, it's a game of markets here. So what they're what they're trying to do in Europe is they've created this new system where they're going to be able to classify a company as a gatekeeper, which is a term that's going to be codified in law. And essentially, if they serve a certain amount of users, or if they have a certain amount of, of market capitalization around the world, then Europe is going to impose as a cost of doing business in Europe, which is about 350 million people, um, that they will now have to comply with these over 20 stringent regulations that can strictly control how they're able to operate their platforms. Um, and so just to give you an idea of the type of platforms that are affected, this includes online marketplaces like Amazon, Facebook Marketplace, the App Store, oh social media platforms, video platforms like YouTube. So it's, it's a, a broad um, Europe has handed over the keys to big government, essentially, and, and American companies um, shouldn't stand for Europe dictating our domestic policy. So this goes well beyond just Facebook and Twitter. This goes to, like you said, Amazon with your online shopping, with just uh, just really the interweb in general. They want to regulate. Talk about some of these regulations. What's included in this madness? Yeah, so one of the things that they do is they, they are restricting specific behaviors. So essentially, if the European Union declares that a company is a gatekeeper, all of a sudden they will be subject to these new restrictions on how data can be used across their different services, like how Google operates a a wide range of services from YouTube to the Google App Store to Google Maps. It'll really restrict how that um, is currently treated. There's also some alarming cybersecurity concerns, even as far as mandates uh, about interoperability of messages. And that sounds good on the surface, but uh, one of the uh, things that technologists are concerned about is how that'll affect end-to-end encryption of messages. So that could, is, uh, not done right, it could expose people's messages um, to bad actors online. Um, so one of the things that I just want uh, listeners at home to take take in is that uh, a lot of these services, and obviously big tech isn't perfect, uh, perfect, but there is a lot of benefit that is derived from these services. It allows small businesses to to go on Facebook and advertise their businesses um, and get more get the word out that way. Um, it allows you know people we COVID has taught us all you know uh, technology can help us communicate with loved ones, educate our kids. A lot of people do their wouldn't be able to do their jobs today. It's kind of alarming um, to think that just a couple decades ago this would have been completely science fiction fantasy, but here we are, and a lot of prosperity has come in the process. Yeah, here we are for sure. It's a new world where we're trying to figure out how to actually allow freedom to reign free here. The problem is when we try and build a business, a brick and mortar store, for example, and with all the licensing and the regulations and the applications and then what you can and cannot do, and it continues to get more stringent every day, it sounds like that if people are trying to have that online presence, which you would really have to have nowadays in order to survive as a business in some way, whether it's fully online or whether just having that online presence, that it's going to be more difficult. It's almost like another set of red tape from like a regular business to one that's online where it's going to be harder to even start a home business online, isn't it? Absolutely. And and one of the things I also want to note is if you just look at which companies around the world are succeeding in technology, like Forbes did a recent study in 2021 looking at the largest technology companies 
And I don't think you'd be surprised to hear that seven of the top 10 are U.S. companies, and actually 81 of the world's largest tech companies were based in the U.S., and that far exceeds any other country. Now, the EU, you have to scroll down that list of ways until you can find some European companies, and there are a few. Um, But regulators in Europe see the writing on the wall that U.S. and Asia are largely dominating the tech industry, and they're using these strict regulations to have government solve the problem. And uh, Alex, we believe that free markets and limited government, having regulators get out of the way of small businesses just trying to earn a living, um, is the better approach. And I think that's evident if you look at that ranking of companies that the American approach for decades has has delivered this prosperity. Yeah, amen to that. We're talking with Jake Morabito. He's the director of communications and technology task force at ALEC, the American Legislative Exchange Council. We got a couple minutes left here, but I guess moving forward, the question is how do we counter? some of this and what direction do you think we're going to go are we either going to adopt some of these policies i'm sure uh, others on the other political side of the aisle would love to adopt some of these to bring them home front here to the u.s as well or do you see a lot of these companies just stopping doing business in those countries that are wanting to actually implement this to where they just move elsewhere and just focus their attentions in other markets no, it's, a, it's a, an interesting uh, situation that we're in here and that you're absolutely right and in congress and even at the state level um, pieces of the Digital Markets Act and other similar legislation have been introduced and are actively being considered. Um, but ALEC, which again is a is an organization of state legislators focused on free markets and limited government approach, um, our legislators have outlined six principles for communications and tech that are that should serve as a, a model um, to again allow free markets to guide. Um, government shouldn't be interfering unnecessarily. And again, instead of imposing new restrictions on business, we should be looking at how business can how government can help by removing some outdated or unnecessary regulation yeah that's what we have to do deregulate baby allow the free market to reign free i know it's kind of a rhetorical question but in about 45 seconds uh is the internet actually free right now with the content that you look at with the stuff that you try and buy and shop for is the internet really free or is it just as regulated as the real world but I think it's certainly it's it's uh it's a challenge as far as it's we're definitely not in the the 1980s and 1990s where the, the wild west anymore. Um, and although like I will certainly admit that the big tech isn't perfect isn't perfect, then there are genuine concerns and valid concerns um, to be had with it. But we shouldn't throw the baby out with the bathwater and and set us up for Europe's level um, of an anemic tech industry. Yeah, amen to that. And it sounds like that the new king of the United Kingdom is one that really wants to hone in on that and try and focus as much regulation as he possibly can. So that's a cause for concern on this issue as well. It's Jake Morabito. It is the ALEC, the American Legislative Exchange Council, Director for Communications and Technology Task Force. Jake, we appreciate the time, my friend. I love what you guys do over there, ALEC. we got to get you back on the program again here soon. Absolutely. And for more information, visit ALEC.org. Alec.org, A-L-E-C dot O-R-G. Absolutely. Go and check it out. Jake, we appreciate that very much. Got to take a break. We got one more segment coming up here right around the corner. We'll get you set for Election Day tomorrow. We'll kind of recap this conversation. Fascinating stuff on the direction of not just social media. We're not just talking Facebook and Tweety. We're talking everything you do online. How is it going to be regulated and controlled by government? We'll do that when we come back. Stay here. With Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason 
with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed. Welcome back into the program. Last couple of minutes here on the show as we wrap up for a Monday. Thanks again to Jake coming on the show. Alec, I'm a huge fan of those guys. Alec, A-L-E-C dot O-R-G. Go and check them out. Go and see all the stuff that they work on. They work with state legislatures across the nation trying to fight for limited government, freedom, enterprise, all that good stuff. Go and check out Alec. I love them to death. We'll get them back on the show very, very much. As we wrap up for the day today, tomorrow obviously is election day. By the time that I get on the radio this tomorrow afternoon, I will have voted. I will be doing so first thing in the morning on my way down to the radio station here in Kansas. Very excited to do so. In fact, I will be taking my little one with me as well. I drop her off to school every single morning before I head down here. And uh, I'd, I'm excited because I'm going to take her with me tomorrow to go and vote. She's eight years old, for those that don't know, and maybe relatively new to the show. So I'm taking my little one to go and vote with me to see it, to get excited, to get that feeling of this is your civic duty. This is what it's all about. And I love it. Now, the mindset, the mood may change just a little bit. And again, don't know why we're waiting for the last day here. But there is a bit of a potential shocker, I guess, going into the final day in the latest in What's Trending. What's Trending I guess today. it wouldn't even be that. I guess it would be our breaking news of the day. But according to the Washington Examiner, that Donald Trump is holding a rally tonight and he could potentially be announcing his run for president as early as this evening. Now, hold on here. There was a headline that he had a press conference or some type of announcement that he was planning on making on the 15th of November, so next week, but now he's doing a rally to where they're hinting that he's going to be dropping the big bomb tonight on whether he's running for president or not, which I find quite interesting. Personally, I understand why, if he does it, I understand why he's doing it. I don't know that he is. I'm not saying that he is, but there is a good chance because everybody's anticipating it going into the rally tonight, why he's doing a rally just the day before the election for the final big hoorah and big push to get out the vote. If he announces tonight, it is solely for the purpose of energizing that last little bit of that Republican base to go out and vote Republican to get Republican Donald Trump endorsed candidates into Congress. So that way they're excited knowing that he's already going to be on the ballot in two years. In that case, we already have two years ahead of us of campaign Um, messaging (laughs) coming to us to where it's going to get very exhausting very quickly because we're not going to have a break between the midterms of this year and the presidential election of 2024. There will be no break in between the two. We will start off November 9th with Donald Trump campaign ads and Democrats in the mainstream media attacking Donald Trump. It's going to get exhausting, so you're going to have to take a breather for just a moment there. However, I see why Donald Trump's doing it, because that could majorly rally the Republican base to turn out to vote tomorrow if they're not already energized enough. Personally, I would like to see him wait until the 15th because the Republicans are already energized. He's already over the uh, all over the country campaigning. He's already talking to people. He's already trying to rally the troops for certain candidates across the nation. Wait until the 15th. What's the hurry? We have Republicans that are going to win. We're excited to get them in office. And when Republicans do get the majority in the Senate and in the House, that's when you come out and say, hey, these guys, this is what they need to do. This is what Republicans have to do to get things back on track. This is how Republicans actually start fighting off Democrat policy. And when they set the stage, they lay out all the groundwork. So in 2024, we can have a Republican president, a Republican legislature, and we're in the position to get things done. Done. That would be my mindset. 
But if he wants to announce tonight, that would be the reason why is to try and rally the troops for that last day of the election before tomorrow. Whether that happens or not, I don't know. But according to Jonathan Swan on the Tweety, based on calls and texts all morning, the Trump-Vance rally in Ohio will be closely watched by Republicans. Speculation has reached to a point of absurdity at this point, but many Republicans of varying degrees of closeness to Trump are anticipating an accelerated um, announcement based on his recent private conversations. Now, we all know how the hearsay works with Donald Trump, and it may not be at all, but according to all the texts and calls in the morning that the Republican announcement from Ohio, which would be a smart place to do it, got to be honest, J.D. Vance is in a huge election up there, and if we take that away from Tim Kaine, that would be absolutely amazing. So uh, that would be a huge one if we, again, another one, I see Pennsylvania, I see Georgia, I see Ohio, I see Arizona, all going towards Republicans. I see four big victories in those Senate races. But if that one is the one where he announces, that would not only push Ohio over the edge for J.D. Vance, but that would also rally a lot of troops going into Election Day tomorrow for the those that like to wait until Election Day to actually go out and vote. But until then, we're back at it tomorrow to do the final big push and our last big predictions throughout the day. Go out and vote. Do it before you show up to work tomorrow morning. There's no reason why you can't. Go and make your voice heard. Don't be the 47% that stay at home. Go and vote. Make your voice heard. And let's do a celebration early tomorrow here on the program. Until then, this is The Voice Reason. I am Andy Hoosier. Have a great Monday. We'll see you on the radio tomorrow for Election Day.